It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast. I'm Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, joined by Scott Powers, also of The Athletic. Scott, how you doing? Good, Mark. How are you? Aren't you surprised I remembered to introduce you today? Yeah, thanks. It's nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> I was... Uh, I don't know what your... Well, you guys don't pay any taxes in Indiana, so I'm definitely curious what your, uh, your your roads are like right now. But yeah, I just... I found... like It's, it's nice that people are really... Like, I, I was slightly late to the podcast because... There was a car in front of me that had double parked to help another person out of their out of their uh, you know get out of the out of the spot, which is really nice. But it just it, the narrow side streets of Chicago, especially the way that they're plowed right now, just it makes like a big. You know, we, we we don't pay taxes, and it's usually pretty awful out here. Like you get what you pay for, <laughs> and I complain about it a lot. But they did a decent enough job. Um, um, this is my first snow in my new town. I, I moved over the summer, and it's, it's noticeably better than my old town, which was you know <laughs> not great at this. But uh, you know, I I I I got my new snowblower last year, and I finally got to use it. I was all excited. Then I realized, oh, this sucks having to use this because this is way too much snow. And uh, I took a third pass finally this morning, and I have one of those driveways that's like along the alley. You know, it's kind of like Chicago style. Yeah. And um, so like, it, and it's the length of the alley. It's like more like a parking pad than a driveway for my garage. And uh, so I finally did it. Like the, the, the alley was cleared. I'm like, oh, good, it's all done. And I'm going to take my one final cut. And I did my final cut. I put everything away. I go inside. I take all my snow gear off. And the plow comes hurtling down the alley and oh, just no. dumps 800 metric tons of snow onto my driveway again. I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do that again before I head to the ring tonight. This the, the, uh, at our condo, the, the, we uh, we own a snow plow, and, uh, which, is, which is nice. But someone decided to snow plow at 5 a.m. on this <laughs> weekend, which is weird. Hey, it was like one. like we You never complain about hour. getting your, your uh, parking lot cleared. Yeah, it was, that was the thing. I was like, well, someone decided to do it, which is nice. But on the other hand, it's like, was it really necessary? What, what I'm worried about is it's garbage day today. Like, the garbage trucks come today down the alley. And both my garbage – and it's recycling day. And my recycling is completely full, like, over the top. But it's buried under, like, 50 pounds of snow. Like, are they going to take that out or am I responsible for that? I'm worried that I'm going to have uh, two weeks of no garbage cans. Yeah, that's probably the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, hockey. Um, Speaking of garbage cans, actually, no, the Hawks are pretty good in these Columbus series. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting once they get through all the teams. Like I, I feel like we'll have a better assessment of what the division is. Like they they, they certainly can play with Columbus and uh, National Series is a little bit more of a mixed bag, I guess. But um, and, and it helps that obviously now they have a goalie. You know they're not five goal. You know like they if Lincoln is really kind of uh, yeah just uh, evened out with the ship a little bit in that it, you know giving a five goals a game was not a recipe for <laughs> no, for success not, not. and. Um, yeah, I mean, they're defensively, they're honestly better too. And, and we'll see how much of it is Columbus and how much of it's improvement. And, and, and Jeremy Colleton mentioned that last night too. Is like, he thought it was important to see, uh, improvement from Friday where he thought they deserved to win. And, um, but he was also worried that, you know, maybe they fall back on some bad habits as a team that that's, you know, teeter tottered a little bit. So, um, you know, for them to have that type of game, especially with all, you know, you had a great tweet about having, you know, know all these players and then no practice and, and, and finding success. So it, it you know, and, and Carlton mentioned it too, like he was really, um, yeah, just, just, you know, really high and the effort they gave. And, and, you know, this team is playing with some adversity and playing with a lot of guys out of the lineup and, 
and a lot of guys have had to step up and uh, to their credit they've they've played better than a lot of people expected yeah I mean let's go through the list of guys that were without obviously they were without Jonathan Taves Kirby Doc uh, Alex Nylander Brent Seabrook then you got the guys in COVID protocol Alex Debrinkit Adam Boquist Ryan Carpenter Lucas Walmark Nicholas Bodan okay you can say he's not that big of a deal but everyone else in that list is a significant piece for them they play major roles. So you have guys like Reese Johnson coming in. You have guys like Philip Kurashev on your top line. You have uh, you know Pia Suter on your second line. You have guys in major roles because you're missing so many people. I mean, they could easily be losing six nothing every night when you're when you're missing that many pieces of your top six in particular. But they're not. They play really hard. They play pretty well. Like they're the team structure and the team defense, they're 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 kind of figuring it out. It seems like, you know, they're, they're, I think they had like only gave up like nine or 10 scoring chances in the first Columbus game. That first Columbus game was better than the second Columbus game. The one they lost, that was a Jonas Corposalo goalie win. Um, That was a very, that was, might've been the best game they played all year. And then they come, they turn around and they lose all these guys and they win. And again, Kevin Lankinen has a lot to do with that, but that's part of being a good team is having a good goalie. Are the Blackhawks a good team? No, they're not a good team yet. But there's a lot you can hang your hat on. There's a lot you can be excited about as a fan when you see Philip Kurashev in a role like that, succeeding at age 20. When you see, you know, Pew Suter and, uh, and, and, and all these young guys that are in here, you see Brandon Hagel and Reese Johnson throwing their bodies around. There's a lot to like. I mean, I, I, I think, look, the Hawks aren't a good team, but if you're a Hawks fan, you have to be pleasantly surprised by how this season is going. They are far more watchable than I think anyone anticipated. And that's that's not nothing. And I and I think the key thing to remember is that like like having guys in Kurdish play a top line role yesterday, he's not a top line center, you know? Like but the fact is a year from now, like if he's playing a third line center role, like it it it, it changes the dynamic of this team. It changes what the Blackhawks have to find in the future. Like I, I started messing around yesterday and looking at lineups in the future. Like if you have uh, Kubalik and, and also, you know, there's a big question about Taves' future. I mean, um, you know, Kershev gives you a little bit more center depth, but if you have like a Kubalik, Taves, uh, and even Shaw's like a big storyline of the year. Like the fact he's that been Shaw, good. Can, he's been like yeah, legitimately like, good. Like, like I, you know, like if he can be a supporting cast player, that's another. Like I, I think there are a lot of worries about the future because you you had all these bad contracts and they have still a lot of bad money, but. Um, if you can have find some of your some of those guys within your own system, like you, you have a Kershaw to play a third line role, and it certainly now probably you get more flexibility to play Strom on the wing, um, and, and if Suter can play a top nine role, and like there there are less holes to fill, and and it also does it allows you know it's going through the cap space like they. Um, they're gonna have maybe you know ten million next year to free up you know Zach Smith's freed. Um, it depends on if they sign Janmark, uh, resign Soderberg. Um, who else is uh, there's another big con? Does Zadorov even like like Zadorov? They may not, you know, like they may walk away from Zadorov. You know, like that probably trade isn't ideal if you do, but they they there's guys they can walk away from and then have the cap space to fill. Like you you got to worry about contracts in the future with Doc and and some others. But next year, you it's Nylander's contract, it's Camp's contract. It, it's do you want to sign to resign a Soderberg or Yamark? Maybe not. Um, it, it frees up money that you go pursue guys that you need for specific roles, and you can maybe get another top four defenseman if you need. I just I, I think having guys like Hagel and Kurashev, um, they may not be 
top six guys, but if they can play, you know, third, fourth line roles and sometimes play top roles, and then you have, you know, the the Mitchells and the Boquists and I, I the fact that you know Murphy's played as well as he has. I was looking at uh, evolving hockey and 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 his, you know, it's early and it's a small sample size, but his, you know, his WAR numbers and and those those stats are really high. And I he's the, the he's the number played, one defenseman now. He's playing more minutes than Duncan Keith. That's that's yeah. never happened in Duncan Keith's career that he hasn't been in the top minutes. And then, and then on top of everything, you, you you may have found a number one goalie. Like those are a lot of lot of question marks you entered the season. And, and I hate to get ahead of ourselves. You know, it's ten games, but uh, there there are a lot of positives that it, not just for right now, but in the future in in ways the Blackhawks. I mean, ultimately the goal is to to find that ultimate success. Uh, you know, down the road, and that seems a little bit more attainable if you can find those type of players. Yeah, I mean, and it's all relative. We're not looking at this team like the two thousand eight two thousand nine Blackhawks. You know, these aren't like world beaters like you said these might be these might be just role players aside from a couple of them but you need that and you have some stars in this team uh, still and you will have some flexibility and don't forget you know a lot of those guys you mentioned they can walk away from they can also be flipped at the trade deadline a Matthias yeah. Janmark uh, a Carl Soderberg even you know Lucas Walmark these guys were made to be trade deadline acquisitions. Yeah, they, if you get third or fourth round yeah, picks or something they're exactly yeah. the kind of player that teams are looking for at the deadline you know quality two-way experienced role players uh, and they're you know they're all doing fine, especially Janmark. So I mean, you might be able to get a second, third, fourth. Let's, let's talk about Janmark a little bit. In that, I love looks, Matthias Janmark. That's like my I know guy you now. do, and, and it's it's funny because I, I I like you notice him a lot because he makes plays. You he know, does. like he. At the same time, his his analytics are just god awful. Those like, are my favorite it, kind of players, though the ones that just go out and try to. Make I know, but he, he's he's weird because he's good defense. They're fun. He looks he looks more the part like you understand it with some players. With him, I thought. There was more of a two-way player, and and there's obviously uh, defensive capabilities, but his expected goals for is like it's like thirty-four percent or something. <laughs> like it's like it's among the worst in the league. Like it's crazy. Like it's not the things don't. And maybe this is how the analytics work the other way, right? Like it's if, as long as you can make the plays that lead to goals and and you show up and um, like those are the things that matter. So well, I mean, yeah, he's not not he's an interesting equ- case. Not to equate Matthias Yanmark to Patrick Kane by any stretch. But, you know, I did that Patrick Kane centers piece last week, with, and I went through the numbers, and Kane doesn't have a lot of good numbers. I mean, the analytics aren't good to Patrick Kane either because he just finishes at a higher rate. Now, Matthias Yamark doesn't do that. But, you know, now that he's playing with Patrick Kane, you know, everyone who plays with Patrick Kane, it's funny, other than Jonathan Taze and a couple of guys, their numbers go down because they just play offense. They just go and they're going for it, and Patrick Kane doesn't, you know – He's a, he's a world-class player. He's the greatest American-born player in, in history. I firmly believe that. He also doesn't play much defense. So, you know, you know, when you're on a line with Kane, and Yanmark's been on his line for a few games now, which is, you know, a third of the season or whatever it's been, uh, your numbers are going to take a hit. Now, yeah, 34% or whatever expected but he was, that, the, the problem is that Soderbergh-Shaw-Yanmark line wasn't that good either. That's like a they bad were line. getting. Yeah, the, the and Soderberg was just coming back, and then yeah, that line was just a bunch of role players thrown together, and nothing was really driving. I I don't want to be a crusty old like you know seventy year old columnist from Canada or anything, but the eye test on Matthias Janmark is is right so far in this. We're talking sample size here. Ten games is not an adequate sample size. So in in these small numbers, I tend to lean towards the eye test over the analytics over the course of the season. We'll see if it if it if it evens out, but. Yamark's out there making things happen. He is active. Yeah, that, that's, he what, is, that's what's He's got more right? skill than I thought. It's funny because Dallas Stars fans are in my mentions all the time because they loved him and they yeah. miss him terribly, but they all say the same thing. He's awesome. You love watching him make plays and every shot he takes will be right into the goalie's chest. 
So apparently he's got like no finishing ability, according to Stars fans. But he's a hard worker. I mean, he's exactly the kind of guy you need on this team, where he's a hard worker who's got a little bit of offense. He, in theory, has that two-way game. That's how he was advertised. We haven't seen a lot of that yet, but we can, we'll see if that comes about. But uh, he's been a pleasant surprise. I mean, he's not a, a, a number one left wing, but on this team, he might have to be. And he's up there. He, he is keeping up with Kane. He is able to make plays that Kane, and, and he's able to, 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 to take plays from Kane. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to play with Patrick Kane. We talk about it a lot. Uh, Yanmark, I like him. He's fun to watch, and he's out there working his ass off, and he's making things happen. And for a team that has very little offense, I mean, there is, this team has very little scoring depth, uh, no real punch to it because it's missing so many people. Yanmark's been one of the guys who's been out there driving plays. Oh yeah, for sure. And and he's made some defensive plays. I mean, he even yesterday, like him and Kurashev, you know, he intercepted the pass and nearly set up Kurashev for a breakaway. And he had that. Uh, he had that great the goal. One, the one goal he, uh, the other day. The they still, yeah, like it, it, I mean, there's defensive qualities. It's just and and it's one of those things you may have to break it down and see where the you know where others are Britain and you know like on ice courses sometimes and expected goals sometimes it's about your t- line mates too and who you're on the ice with so it's one of those things that the eye test may be telling us the correct story and the, the statistics aren't so yeah he's not in the Corsi hockey league scott yes um. <laughs> <laughs> looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So who else? Who, who else has been a bright spot in your mind that you've seen that 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 maybe surprised you? Because I think we all thought Lankinen, we wouldn't think he would do this, but we all thought he could be pretty good. No. I know Kurashev, we talked about a lot. I, I thought Delia, I thought Delia was the guy. Honestly, I thought Delia, from what I'd seen in Rockford and like his track record, and, he's, and now he's he's just out. He's the outside looking in. Yeah, because Subban was very good the last time he played, and Subban's been the backup. Delia, I mean, he's in nowheresville right now. It'll be. I mean, there, there's some more back-to-backs coming up, so I think it'll be interesting to see if Subban can keep it up. And then, like, I think that's where the flexibility is going to be. Is that there was a bunch of games and back-to-backs, especially that Delia and Subban. But at this point, yeah, I just you ride with Lincoln, right? Like, it's absolutely the suitor is is interesting. Like, I, I like obviously having a hat trick's huge. Um, the consistency of his play, and and this, I guess this is, this is something too that we're gonna have to get used to, is that some of these newcomers, like it's just it's gonna be up and down, you know, like it's just some moments you'll see him and others not, and so I, I think Suter, you know, he scored a big goal yesterday, but you know he got sat and he really wasn't driving much um, possession as of late, and you know, and um, uh, you know Kershev's had some ups and downs, but I think Kershev and Hagel are, are big storylines, you know, um, you know Kershev 
we thought he had this potential maybe a little bit later. Uh, Hagel is just, he's, I mean, he's, I, I think he's got the highest course and expected goals. And he's like, fun he's to just, watch. He is, yeah, he he's is just, he's out there. He's hungry, just, you know, like yeah. he's skating and, um, and, and he get, becomes a little bit more disciplined and, and realizes how he can affect the game at the, you know, the NHL level. Like, I think those get things get better. And they, he's just, he's another piece. Like, it, they're not, they're not pieces you build around, but they're pieces you need to win championships. And we saw that the you know the Blackhawks did a good job of that when they won those cups. That a lot of their their Marcus Kruger types came within draft picks and guys they signed. And um, I mean Hagel's another. I mean you know Hagel, Suter, uh, Lincoln, and uh, these are all guys they signed as free agents. You know, like they um, they've done a good job identifying those players and then also signing them. And uh, you know Reese Johnson again. I don't know if he's you know he's probably. A guy who's a borderline NHLer, but a guy that they brought in the lineup last night, he held his own on that fourth line. That fourth line's been good, regardless of who's been on that line. Um, and, and Camp, you know, I think Camp deserves a lot of credit too, where he's just driving play and he's honestly taking a lot of the faceoffs that Taze was getting before. Like even yesterday, I noticed uh, um, Kane's line was on the ice for a defensive zone faceoff, and and Camp, Camp took it. They won it, and then they brought Kurashev on there. So. You know, Camps really kind of picked it up, and, and there's some limitations to his offense, and I don't think he's ever going to be the offensive player they they hoped he'd turn into. But th- that line's creating a lot of possession, and it's uh, I think it's um, yeah, just it, it also kind of feeds over the rest of the lineup. Yeah, I, I think you have to give Stan Bowman some credit here, and I could already hear people screaming in their cars that I said that. But you know, you could criticize him for the trades he's made. The trades aren't always good, and some of the uh, salary negotiations haven't gone great. But he finds talent. He find, you know, through the draft and through free agency and through Europe, he keeps finding guys that can play at the NHL level. Now, they might not be game breakers, all of them, but it's hard to find guys that can even play at the NHL level, let alone in their early 20s. Uh, and, and he deserves credit for, you know, look how many guys the Blackhawks have out. Key guys, everyday guys, and they're still able to field a team that looks like it can be compete in the NHL. It looks like a real hockey team. And you know, should have won its last two games, has a point in six of its last seven games. Um, look, they're, they're in second. They're not in the playoffs right now. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. But this is a competitive team that really has no business being competitive given who they're out, uh, who they're without. And uh, Stan Bowman, 100%, he deserves some credit for finding all these guys. And if they all wind up being bottom six guys, okay, you can criticize them for that. But bottom six guys don't grow on trees either. We've seen so many guys come through on every team that just can't hang in the NHL at all. And all these guys right now look like they can hang in the NHL, and that's not nothing. It, it, it has to be a balance. That's the, whole, that, that's the motto of this entire season. It's not nothing. Yeah. Blackhawks 2021, it's not nothing. It, it feels like a balance. Like It has to be a balance point in that the last few years are Stan Bowman's fault because the, the draft picks didn't pan out, right? Like the Yoki Harus and the Graham Knotts, and, and that's also why they where they, you know, where they are largely. Um, but then, yeah, now like it does look like it's up, and there's some guys in the system, and um, I, I think part of it's you know they they the developed models changed a little bit where I think they've um, you know the guys like Andre Sorensen and Campbell, and I think they've tried to work with Rockford a little bit differently. Um, and then you know a lot of people talk about their scouting of Europe and getting these free agents, and and largely it's I, I think a lot of teams now have the same kind of European scouting staffs, guys like Lincoln and. Um, you know, certainly Panarin's and, and Kubalik's, all these guys are known. It's about closing those deals, and the Blackhawks have had a lot of success 
in um, in selling themselves and then also selling opportunity and then, you know, being able to use that proof. Uh, the fact that they have so many guys that have had, you know, success now after signing, you know, the suitors and the Kubaliks and the Gufsasins and, and Camps and, you know, obviously Panarins. And you go down the line and you can point to like, well, yeah, we promised you the opportunity. We're going to, you know, we're going to fulfill it. You know, like that's, I think those are guys are looking for those chances. And um, I think the concern is, you know, when you sign over from Europe that you may not, you may not get the chance, you know, they're promised you and they all fear going to Rockford and, and those type of things and, or any American league team. So I, I think that's where, you know, Bowman's done a really good job is to, um, obviously identifying them. And, but I think a lot of these guys are, and, you know, a lot of people are identifying them. It's, it's closing those deals and they've, they've done a really good job of, um, yeah, just securing those commitments and, and getting those guys in and then promising what they, uh, you know, what they said in, in their recruiting pitch. Absolutely. And it's, it's been the lifeblood because when you have all these contracts the Blackhawks have, you need a bunch of ELCs. And yeah. every year the Blackhawks have some key players on entry-level contracts. And that's the way forward. That's why Toronto has been good for a long time in the last several years because they had a bunch of superstars basically on ELCs. The Hawks don't have superstars necessarily. The Kubalik looks like one sometimes. Dabrinkit was one. But you need guys like that. You need major contributors making $925,000 a year. Otherwise, you can't field a competitive team in the NHL. Um, we should talk about the COVID situation. Um, it's, yeah. you know, all, all throughout camp, you know, Jeremy Colleton kept saying, the key is to keep it out of the room. But once it's in the room, which it's inevitably going to be, the key is to make sure it doesn't take over the room. You know, Dallas and some of these other teams had like 16 guys on the COVID protocol at one point. The Hawks right now have five. Um, it started with two, and then it was three, and now it's five. Uh, if they can keep it to that, you can play. Like Detroit came to Chicago. They were missing six guys. Uh, Washington's been without, you know, they, they had Ovechkin and Kuznetsov. It was like four or five guys. You can, you, can, you can make it through with that, but if it gets any bigger, you're dead. So that's why the Blackhawks had to um, – I shouldn't have said dead. That's a bad yeah. word to use there. <laughs> you're screwed. Terrific. Your team is screwed and you're getting games postponed. Uh, you know, we, we all we, – you know, on Saturday morning, we were preparing to go to a practice. And then all the word came out that they were going to cancel practice because of the COVID outbreak. And they had to wait until the test came back Sunday morning. I guess they came back okay because everybody's out there. But these tests aren't 100%. It's distinctly possible that sometime today or tomorrow or the next day, a whole bunch of other guys are going to wind up with positives. And things can get screwed. This whole season is going to be like this. Where every day at 5 o'clock, we're all refreshing the NHL media site, waiting to see who's on the COVID protocol. Um, it's going to be a running theme throughout the season. And whoever can stay the healthiest, whoever can keep the virus contained the best – they're going to have a huge advantage in this playoff race. And and I know that like the models, like, you know, once it comes in, let's do everything we can, but it, it feels like it's just luck at that point, you know, like it's, it's either it's spread or it doesn't spread, you know, like it, once, once someone has it in the room, I mean, we're, everyone's vulnerable to it, you know? Um, and y'all, the other thing I, you have I, to be concerned about, I mean, did you see Michael Russo, uh, uh, his stuff on Marco Rossi in Minnesota. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. I feel, I feel like we get so desensitized because, you know, we cover hockey and we know why they're playing. It just, the numbers and, and, and all this matters to the games being played, but there's still human beings behind this. And then when right. you see when someone like Marco Rossi dealing with, you know, long-term. He had know, it back in November and he's still, and he's not going to play this year. I mean, yeah. that's. And, you hear, and you, I know, I know people, you know, like yeah. you hear, like you, you know, maybe don't hear the athletes as much, but I know people who are dealing with it after having it. And, 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 you know, like it's, I don't know. It just it feels like it's it gets shrugged off sometimes. Like the person has it and they're going to get better, and then they get back on the ice. But yeah, it's not like that for everyone, and it's just, it's it's scary. And it's again, I know why they're playing hockey, but 
it, it's it's certainly a risk, you know, and, and taking a lot of people's lives at risk and their health. And it's 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 a hard thing to balance. Yeah, I think there's this assumption from people that, oh, these are 25-year-old world-class athletes. They'll be fine in a week and a half. And that's not necessarily the case. We don't know. We still don't know a lot about this disease. We don't know about the long-term effects. There's there's questions about, you know, heart issues and lung issues and long-term effects of this. And, you know, just because you're a healthy individual doesn't mean you're going to come out of it unscathed. And just because you're 95 years old doesn't mean you 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 won't come out of it unscathed. Yeah. So uh, we don't, there's a lot we don't know. And a lot of it does seem to be kind of random chance of how, how, how it affects each individual. So until until we have herd immunity and full vaccinations and everything like that, uh, this is a real concern, and we shouldn't diminish like, oh, Alex Brinkett's got COVID. Well, that's a big freaking deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's that this this is a, a young man who's got a disease right now, uh, who's got a po- who tested positive for it, and he's out for two weeks, and we're just all just assuming oh he's going to miss eight games. We don't know that he could miss yeah. more than eight games. He could. I hope he comes back and he's totally fine after eight weeks, and he has reports that he had mild symptoms and it wasn't that big a deal. We've heard a lot of that. That's great. That's what we want to hear. But you can't just assume that everyone's going to be fine. These are, you know, the COVID list, I think people are there. Well, to be fair, like it's also, let's, let's point out that. Even, not everybody like, we, on it has tested positive. Yeah, and we, we were told that Boquist and Debrinker will both be out two weeks. And, and, and we've yet to be told that they have it either. But the fact they live with each other, I think it, it's, it right. affects both of them. So I, 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 I'm, yeah, I, I think the assumption is at least one or both of them have it. Well, when Colleton said, you know, he yeah, cer- no, he certainly no, I, only I missed two weeks, yeah. I, it seemed pretty clear what he was saying there. For sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I suppose like we should clarify there hasn't been an actual, you know, outright statement saying that. But yeah, um, but if, yeah if, you, if, you're, if you're an exposure risk, you're not necessarily out two weeks. That's not how it works. So, yeah. but, you know, regardless, there, there's been dozens of guys on the COVID protocol in the NHL. Some of them have COVID. Like yeah. there's just no way around that. You look <laughs> right, at yeah. 26 million people in this country, whatever it is, have have had COVID at some point. So um, it's it's and it's we shouldn't we shouldn't just gloss over that fact. I mean that's a big deal. That's these guys are putting themselves at a major risk by playing hockey this year. Like I don't leave my house very often, and when I do, it's to go to the United Center where I'm sequestered, you know, and spaced out with plexiglass, and I'm wearing a mask, and, and, and we're not near anyone. We have to walk in one direction down the hallways, and you know, there's hand sanitizer everywhere. That's like the only time I do anything besides you know go to the grocery store. Um, these guys are putting themselves at a much greater risk by being in that locker room every day, even spaced out and masked. By playing hockey, they're you know colliding and there's spit and sweat flying everywhere. I mean, these guys are putting themselves at a major risk. Yes, they get paid a lot of money. Yes, they're in good they're in good shape and they're more likely to uh, to withstand it than most of us are. But we shouldn't discount the fact that they there's a real risk to doing this. And every time I see, especially with college sports, it's with college sports is when I get really icky about it. Like, all right, you're a professional athlete. You can make that call. College athletes, I feel like we're exploiting the shit out of them by making them play oh, during this sure, pandemic. Yeah. And it's, no, it's really, sure. you know, I loved this Northwestern football season. I'm hating this Northwestern basketball season. And I watch every game, but the entire time I'm thinking – this shouldn't even be happening right now. Yeah, I, I don't think that there, there can't be an argument after this that college athletes aren't being used. You oh, know, so for, bad for, for profit. You it's know? so like gross. It's, it's you can't it, it, you can't it was, unionize. It was pretty clear before this, <laughs> you can't unionize, but we could throw you out there into these COVID cesspools and make you travel and play yeah. with each other. It, it's funny now. Like I, one of my buddies covers Michigan State, and we were t- and you know, like like many Big Ten teams, they've had cases, and now they're playing. You know, six or three road games in like six days, or you know, like it's it's like one of these kids yeah. are actually going to school either. Right. You know, like it's <laughs> God bless the, the tutors and the you know all those all those people that help them too. Um, 
Yeah, I don't, who who do they got now? I have, uh, who's who who's comes in town? Carolina, uh, who's very Carolina. Good. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Another this will this will be a like. bigger test. Like Columbus and uh, and Detroit, those are teams the Blackhawks can and should hang with. Carolina and Tampa are at another level. Florida's playing great right now. Let's not discount them in Dallas too. I, this division is not quite as bad as people were making it out to be. Uh, these next two games, two home games against Carolina, and then two uh, road games at Dallas. We might be singing a different tune next. We well, did have the two teams that were in the Stanley Cup final last year. I mean, it, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think most of us just kind of like assumed Dallas was kind of like, Dallas. yeah, they'll be they 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 went they got hot, but they're still Dallas. But man, they're they're cooking with gas right now. Uh, this week we're gonna. I, I know we're gonna try to do something on the first ten games and. Uh, certainly, our game coverage will, will keep it up, and uh, we have our, our NHL arena rankings that we, we you and I worked on that came out today. If anyone gets a chance to read them, it was a lot of uh, a lot of fun, a lot of work to put together. Ten thousand people voted, and uh, a lot of people left comments. But it was uh, yeah, I, don't, I felt like it was a pretty fair look at every single arena, and, and you know, I love I, I love uh, it, it. Seemed to me the Canadian teams were harder on their rinks than the American fans were, <laughs> other than Montreal. But Montreal deserves Montreal. If you if you've never seen, if you could pick one rink to see a game at, I'd probably suggest the Bell Center. It's not like yeah. my favorite rink, but it's, it's it's unbelievable to see a game at the Bell Center. So I agree with that. And generally, um, Ottawa, go poor Ottawa, Ottawa and Buffalo. Those are some Ottawa sad, and Buffalo. Those are some the- sad fans. Oh, oh my god, god, they are very sad. The way that the Calgary fans are so angry at the bathrooms, like, I feel bad for them, but it's also <laughs> hilarious. Like, the, the best comment was, like, <laughs> apparently in the 1970s when they were building the building, bathrooms didn't matter. I can vouch for it, too, because, like, there's that, that horrible dangling death box of Doom Press Box doesn't have a bathroom in it. So you have to use the concourse bathroom. You have to go across the catwalk. <laughs> and it is bad. It's real bad. It's not Nassau Coliseum bad. I still anyone – who, anyone who criticizes any NHL arena but hasn't been to Nassau Coliseum – if you ever went to Nassau Coliseum, you would shut up. I mean, it's, it's the best place. It's my favorite place to see a game. It's the greatest atmosphere. But it was third. It was ranked third in atmosphere and third in sight lines and still finished 28th. That's how <laughs> much of a dump it is. It's incredible. The, the, my, my favorite thing about reading the comments was that, uh, like, you, they just they, they become repetitive and, and said, and, you know, like, everyone kind of describes it their own way. But, like, there were so many times that people described Nassau as, as a shithole but our shithole. Right. Like, it was, <laughs> that was just, like, over and over and over again, you know. It was um yeah it was it was a fun thing so yeah I, you know if anyone gets to read it it was uh it was a, maybe maybe something we do every few years or something especially when new buildings coming up I and mean, vegas was was number one that's a new building the vegas experience is unique and, yeah um just, can't beat the location i mean it's right on the strip it's ridiculous you you spill out of the uh the um uh, monte carlo sports book and you're right into the arena it's amazing <laughs> yeah, it's or excuse bad. me park park mgm it's not the monte carlo anymore um, hey, leave us a voicemail. Uh, yell at us. Rant about the Blackhawks. Say what you want to say. Uh, our number is 714-759-4529. That's 714-759-4529. Uh, we'll get the best ones on the air every week. Uh, probably best if you do it over the weekend because we tape on Mondays usually. So, um, But yeah, rant at us. Yep. Um, that's all I got. That's all, all right. I got. All I'm right. going to go shovel the snow for the fourth time now. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> For Mark Lazarus, I'm Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers. Take care. I can help even just a little bit.